0: Hello and welcome to the Squeaky Bum Time podcast, presented exclusively on the Chop Sports channel of the Premier Streaming Network. We're recording this on Thursday, February sixteenth. I am your host, Laurent Cortines. In this episode, Manchester United Europa League thriller with Barca. We'll catch up on our Champions League friends, Chelsea and Spurs, and discuss the big upcoming fixtures. But first. We're top of the league, we're top of the league, Manchester City, we're top of the league. (laughs) We'll get to that right away, but first, some housekeeping. Uh, Please like, share, review, get involved with the show. We have a WhatsApp group, we have a Facebook group, we have all sorts of things. We're all over on every channel. Please like and review the show because it makes me happy. Happy and it feels good. Also, I see you when you write reviews. please write reviews. Feels good. Okay, on to it. Manchester City, we did it. We're back. We are back. Uh, what a weird season for me. How did I experience this game? so as you know, City played midweek, their first time meeting uh, Arsenal uh, in the league at the Emirates. Uh, this was a replay from the Queen's Death, so we had to deal with, you know, replays that have been floating around all season, everywhere uh, that we deal with. So what was this game like for me? One, I was happy to see the weird formation that Pep played with Bernardo Silva <laughs> at left back. I thought, why not? It worked versus Aston Villa. Let's try it again. But this was a different kettle of fish. Different kettle of fish for um, for City. So what does that mean? Uh, Bernardo Silva was playing left back. They played three at the back with... With uh, all that. But, you know, Saka is not uh, is not Ramsey. And the wings for Arsenal were really good. And this was a really good Arsenal performance. First half, they really came out and pushed City back. Caused problems. And Ketya had a chance early. Um, City had a chances as well. But this was not a normal City performance. It was a good performance. I thought City grew into the game, but Arsenal put a lot of pressure on City. Um, this was not fluid, easy, fun time City, but City were strong. I thought City defended well. I thought they were cohesive, um, but the Bernardo Silva at left back thing was not working. <laughs> uh, Saka really took it too um, took it too. Took it to us, and uh, I pressed the wrong three-on-one game that I was looking at. Uh, took it to City, and it was it was difficult, and you know there was a lot of pressing, and the ball was not, and City didn't have good passing accuracy. A lot of long balls, very un City like. A lot of this game was long balls, deep balls from couldn't City couldn't play out. Uh, I thought like you know Eddie Ederson pl- launched ten goal kicks, which is a lot. Didn't do his normal passing, didn't do any sweeper work, just kicked everything long and didn't really uh, have a chance. And everything early was, was from Arsenal and Ketia, Shaka, and Ketia again twice. The header one on 22 was really, really scary. And up until that point, that first quarter of the game, Arsenal won on top. And um, from there, the first mistake happened. So city were pressing. A long ball goes up to uh, Holland. He he fights and wins the duel. Sort of. It goes off of 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 um, off Saliba, but then it goes to Tomiyasu, and he's pressed by Grealish. So he doesn't have any time to turn, and his pass does not reach Ramsdale. But all this time that that process is happening, De Bruyne is on it, and he picks up the pass. It never makes it to Ramsdale, and De Bruyne. With, and I, I mean, I have to say, as much as it's a mistake by Tomiyasu, it's incredible by De Bruyne. He's way out three quarters, just flips it, nice lifted ball right into the goal, and City are up 1-0, a bit against the run of play. Um, how did I feel? I felt amazing. <laughs> uh, City, um, you know, had to play a different way, had to have a gut check, had to fight for every ball, had to really not play the way they wanted to. I mean, this was the lowest um, possession for any City game under Pep ever, 37%. So that just gives you a sense that, you know, City did not play the way they wanted to. Uh, Arsenal had the ball. Uh, A big piece in this game, and I'm sure Arsenal fans were gutted when they heard this, was that Thomas Partey did not play. almost. They have not dropped points with Thomas Partey in the side. Uh, anytime they've lost, it's because Partey's not on the team. So it's no party, no party for Arsenal. Uh, this was a Jorginho game, but he wasn't a problem. So after the first half, Arsenal could have felt good about it. Um, they did get a penalty that I don't know what Ederson's doing. There's a secret among City fans, and, and you may not know this, but we know it. Ederson is not as good as he was. In fact. He's been in decline for three years. He makes mistakes. He doesn't save things. It's weird. It's weird. And you're not allowed as a City fan to really hammer Edison because he kicks a long ball every once in a while that makes you feel like, oh, uh, he's on top of things. He's a problem. He gives up the penalty to Enketia. At first I thought, oh, what the fuck? I've never seen that. Uh, Manny brought out the real book from our WhatsApp group. Uh, and I was like, okay, sure. I had just never seen someone get clattered, get a shot on target. I mean, I was more excited that that we cleared the ball off the line than than the penalty. It was a little bit of confusion at first, but uh, there was a, a goal mouth scramble that got things off the line. Okay, probably a little bit too much explaining here. Second half, City much, much, much better uh, on sixty. Kanji comes on for Riyad Mahrez, and City go back to a normal back four. And from then on, it's it's all City. Uh, I don't think that in the second half, Arsenal had three shots late. And if you remember, it was Odegaard, White, and Nketiah. From basically all of the second half, Arsenal had no shots on target. Uh, they had no shots on target the whole game, but they only had three shots in the whole second half uh City's goals were really really good. Uh this the next two after the De Bruyne goal. Grealish on an amazing move. A little bit of a mistake, but a really just a fantastic pass and move from De Bruyne from a run by a run by um oh that's the third goal. This was sort of uh across the back. Gundogan lets it go. Grealish fires it in. I did not feel good about it. I did not feel good about Grealish shooting. But he's finally got the rub of the green, and it goes thin. And then the Erling Haaland goal is just fantastic uh, from De Bruyne and Gundogan, both setting it up. Gundogan with the run, De Bruyne with the cross, and then Ilkay Gundogan lets it run, It's and, and it goes to Haaland on a touch and finish. Really, really good. And City are up 3-1 in 82, and it, it's over from there. Um, just really, really good stuff from City. And this was a tale of two boxes where... You know, City have Holland and De Bruyne, and for Arsenal it was Eddie and Ketia and Xhaka being afraid to shoot, and Odegaard trying to make a difference but not really getting there. There was no Martinelli; he kind of vanished. One ball dropped to Tomiyasu; he just couldn't quite get over it. And this is all in the first half. And you know, we had and Saka was terrorizing for for. For Bernardo. And Bernardo could have gotten sent off. Uh, He was fouling. He didn't know what to do. He's playing wrong, the wrong places. But this was more about Arsenal Arsenal being there. This reminded me kind of of like a City performance. Where they're there. They play well. John Stones makes a mistake. Uh, Somebody makes a mistake. Otamendi makes a mistake. And they lose a game that they should have won. So I think for Arsenal, they'll feel like, hey, we played right with City and just lost this game because we were sloppy. We were nervous. We made mistakes. Um And then for City, this was like, we know what it feels like to be in this game. We've been at Anfield for Champions League games and lost. We've been through 14 in a row with, with, with Liverpool behind us going game for game, for game, for game, for game, for game, all the way to the end, 98 points, having the, being behind in the last game of the season, having to find the energy to win the game to pull it out—I um, mean, that happened last season, but that also happened in the Brighton season uh, in, in, when when um, when we had ninety-eight, and then to be Centurions and push and try and go for those points. So these are games that have happened. We've lost, uh, you know, we've had to come back against Real Madrid or or, or been down a goal to Dortmund. We've had big, big, big games that we've had to handle, and this is really. Arsenal's first big game. Uh, The North London Derby obviously made a difference. United made a difference. All those were sort of building to this moment. And now Arsenal are, in a sense, in a wobble. They've got one point from their last three games. One out of nine. That's eight drop points. That's why City were eight behind, and now they're not. Uh, And so they're level on points. Arsenal have a game in hand. Um, For Arsenal... This is a moment. This is, I'm going to say it, this is an early squeaky bum time for them. They've really got to get themselves back on track desperately. Get the next game has to be a win. Um, This morning game, they play Aston Villa, and it just has to be a win. There's nothing else it can be. Everything points... That Arsenal needs to pull this out. And then I think Arsenal fans are probably thinking, what's wrong with us? What's wrong with us? I don't think there's anything wrong. Um, I just think it's hard to win the Premier League, especially as a first-time team. It's hard to run the same players out of uh, over and over again, running them out, running them out. So we asked who was a strange choice when Ben White had been in the same back four for almost every game. And I just think when when we hear things like, Teams are tired. I don't necessarily think it's literal tiredness. I think it's more can you mentally be sharp? Can you mentally bring yourself up and consistently play when things are against you, when you're pushing, when you have game after game after game? And now we're going to find out about Arsenal. I think, you know, it was all fun and games. It was all kind of like, oh, isn't this cute? Isn't this nice? I really did think they were gone because of the, not because of the way Arsenal were playing, but because the way City were playing. I still don't know if City have in them a push, but I think the, thank you Premier League, the galvanizing of City around the no one likes us and we don't care, booing the Premier League anthem, and you know, everyone hates us. And I think Pep has used that to pull the team together. Um, I think they were going to probably pull together anyway. I think um, another one that I just think about all the time is, you know, most people don't see this guy because he's just a guy to them. But Ruben Diaz for City is just a man among men, among boys. He's our leader. He makes tackles. He gives zero fucks. He has the crown from Vincent Company that was passed to him from Richard Dunn, I know. Don't ask. Richard Dunn was a leader. Um, uh, and, you know, just having having that leadership in defense, that yelling, that vocal player, that guy who gets stuck in. When I see Akenji's good and and Laporte's good and John Stones is good, but what Diaz does that they don't do is he tackles people. He's able and has the skill to actually put a foot in and not get out of position and not get fouls called or penalties. He just is a real defender. Unlike those guys who are more luxury defenders, they want to shuttle you and and they sort of defeat you with class. Whereas Diaz doesn't have that. He's physical and will will attack you. So City's next game is Nottingham Forest. Not easy. I'm not saying it's easy. Uh, But for... um, For Arsenal, they have the early game against Aston Villa. They have to find a way to win. This is like, Arsenal fans, tell me how you're feeling. How are you doing? How are you viewing this? I know that there's a, oh, you shouldn't feel worried. You did great. You went toe-to-toe with City. Uh, You know, Arteta said as much, hey, I'm very proud of my team for us to beat them. They have to be, we have to be at our highest level. Uh, You know, trying to, and then he, he said he loves them more. Sure, you love them more, but. You have to win. It's now about winning. Grinding out results. Finding a way. Maybe Gabriel needs a rest. Don't panic. Get yourself together. Pull yourself together. Have a good performance and defeat Aston Villa. That is not going to be easy. Aston Villa are good. Unai Emery is a good coach. So we're going to find out really where Arsenal is right away. This next game becomes the biggest game. I know it sounds like this was a big game. No, no, no. But wait, there's more. This next game is the biggest game. And speaking of big games, we've got to get into our friends in the Champions League. We'll talk Chelsea and Spurs up next. Uh, first, Spurs. Sorry, first, Chelsea. They go to Dortmund, into the yellow wall, into the, the... What the hell is the name of their goddamn stadium? They have a crazy stadium. name. I want to say it correctly, if I can find it. Um, I cannot find it. Okay. Stad fallen, Something like that. The yellow wall's there. Tifos are there. And Chelsea, again, fail to put stats... Sorry, fail to finish their chances again. They put up good stats. They win the XG battle. They play a lot better. But Dortmund, with the super speed of Adiami off a corner on... 63. Literally a one-man fast break. The only player back is Enzo Fernandez, and he fucking dusts his ass as he's trying to keep up with him, and then he's able to finish. Kepa did make it easier by coming far out. I don't know if he made a mistake. Maybe he stays back. He wanted to be active. He wanted to run onto the ball. Maybe he's just trying to get some support for uh, Enzo Fernandez, but again, a lot of play, a lot of banging things off walls, a lot of You know, I mean, eight shots on target, 21 shots, all the possession, just unable. Signal Iduna Park. Sorry, I didn't get it right. Um, Just unable to get off the schneid. And this is Chelsea's season right here. They're not going to win the league. They're not in the FA Cup. They're not in the uh, League Cup. This Champions League is all they have. And listen, the Champions League can be won when you're not good. Uh, Chelsea are talented. There's no reason this team can't. Figure it out. Uh, I do wonder what Potter does. He seems to now be getting into this thing where Chelsea is playing like Brighton, where they can't score goals, but they fail to deceive. They look great. Uh, this shouldn't be happening. Chelsea have the players. I wonder if they recall Lukaku. I want to see Havertz out of the side. Can we put someone else up there? Give someone else a try uh maybe Mudrick can play up there maybe, anything they just can't score goals uh jao felix is not a striker <laughs> I'm sorry they hit the post twice you know it's not for lack of trying like this was weirdly chelsea's best performance but they were not good and they go to they bring um borussia dortmund back home to stanford bridge next week in 2 weeks time to see if they can't pull this out, but they haven't scored two goals in months. I mean, Chelsea have not scored two goals in ages. Let's just look back: nil one against West Ham, nil nil against Fulham, nil nil against um, Chelsea, one goal against Palace, one goal against Fulham in a loss. FA Cup third round, nil, Manchester City. So we're going back into January, January 5th, one goal. They literally have scored one, two, I mean, like three goals in a month and a half. I mean, it's not looking good for them. They haven't scored two goals since Dynamo Zagreb before the World Cup. And they have to score two goals against Dortmund without giving up any? Yeesh. I worry for you, Chelsea. You've got to find a way to score. Got to find a way to score. Uh, and we go on to our friends at, at um, uh, Tottenham. Just another bad performance. They just give up a goal to Brahim Diaz early, and they just huff and puff and get nothing done. They, you know, no no Hoiberg, no, no Betancourt, which is huge. They still run Dyer and Romero out there. Fraser Foster, God love him. He's a giant piece of wood. He can't do anything. The Kulishevsky being back, you thought the attack would come back. He's not done anything. Hinman's son is still having a hard time. Then Juma and Richarlison got on. I don't know what to do for Spurs. Their season, like I said a while ago, was kind of petering out. I think the Conte at being sick, his friend dying, he now has to go back to Italy for rest. I don't think his heart's in it. I don't know what, where Spurs go from here. They're kind of listless and insipid. It feels very late, Pochettino. Um, there's something going on with Spurs. Even though, so you, you get the sense that, you know, you had Conte really galvanized the team back half of last season to get them into the Champions League. An incredible performance. I can't say it enough. And then you had Sonny and Kane really connecting. And, you know, the big thing you can see this year, Kane doesn't have any assists. He has like two. You know why? His son's not scoring anything. And teams have figured out that if you stop Kane as a supply line, he's going to get his goals because they're talented players. But no supply line, he's not making his teammates better because they're not moving things along. And I wonder if, the, if this Conte thing, he burning out early, you know, Eric Dyer still being back there. They've got to replace him. He's awful. Romero's been bad. The whole thing just has a bad vibe of this constant desire to defend, not being able to defend, and now not really being dynamic in attack where they're just they're just in the classic case of like I think of um, basketball stuff where you either want to be terrible or you want to be great. You don't want to be in the middle, and I feel like right now Spurs are in the middle. They're kind of sitting – Slowly slipping out of the Champions League places. They'll probably finish in the top six. But it's not been a dynamic season where you can hang your hat on something. You know, no Basuma, that midfield that you thought was there wasn't there. I thought Skip and, and Saar did well, but it's Skip and Saar. They're both sort of holding midfielders. They need some dynamism. They need Enzo Fernandez. They need Bruno Gamarache. Where's the la- They haven't had anybody since Ericsson. They've never replaced Erickson and they've tried and and they tried Loselso and they keep trying and they do have, they do have somebody in, in Betancourt, but he's out for the season now. So I wonder how that works. I am worried for Spurs at this point, you know, where do they go? What do they do? Um, you know, they, they it's, they're only down one goal, which is fine. You know, they could have a big game at home. It's just, they're so inconsistent. Like I can't, I watch this and I think about it. I'm like, how the fuck did City lose to this team? I don't understand it. We just have a voodoo against them. So hopefully they they pull themselves together. Listen, when it comes to the Champions League, I want English teams to do well. I want them to move forward. I want them to find things. I want them to, you know, do good stuff. I do want to talk about one thing that's English that I don't uh, really care about. And that's um, Club Bruga. I didn't know that Scott Parker ended up there. He's terrible. How the fuck is he stuck in Bruges? That weirdo. Anyway, I wonder if Enzo Fernandez is like, maybe I shouldn't have left Benfica. Benfica is going to get through to the to the quarterfinals of the Champions League because they drew Bruges. Uh so that's a little bit weird. And then can I just fucking rant about Neymar? So Bayern beat PSG at home. PSG showed nothing. They have Messi and Neymar and they're terrible. And the anything the only thing that happened was um what's it called? Mbappe came on for the last half hour. And once he was on, they completely transformed and almost won the and almost pulled level, if if not for an offside. Neymar is the most overrated world football player ever. He's not won anything. I mean, he won the Champions League with Messi in 2014. He was supposed to win at PSG. He's in this cupcake league. Now he's just getting older and fatter. He's in this like hazard mode where he thinks he's still good. He's not good. He's not as good as he thinks he is. Sorry, he is good. But he just doesn't work hard. He looks bloated. He's got the classic, you know, you don't want, I mean, it's not fair. But this sort of narrative around the Brazilian superstar who parties too much. Was it Ronaldinho? Probably. So he's going down the Ronaldinho path, not Brazilian. Sorry, because... My beloved Fernandinho played till he was 38. And lots of great um, Brazilian players have stuck around for a long time. Tiago Silva, respect. But he's going down the flash uh, player and he's just burning out. And all those kicks, all that flicks and tricks, he can't get by people anymore. And I wonder if his time at PSG is ending. But someone has to have guts and just be like, I'm done with you. Uh, there was some bizarro, like if this happens, burn down the house, bizarro rumor that Neymar was going to go to Chelsea. If that happens, it has to be on a free. Uh, I don't think that's a good idea at all because he's cooked. He's 31. He's broken his ankles seven times. I fucking hate him. And I can't wait for PSG to be out of the champions league. Messi won the world cup. He doesn't need the champions league anymore. Would he like to be in the final? Sure. But you know, who cares about him? He's done. Um so we talked Champions League let's go into uh ne- and then sorry next week the rest of the English teams do play in the Champions League sorry about that just a little housekeeping here next week we will see Liverpool Real Madrid and City play um Leipzig with Napoli the favorites right now playing Eintracht Frankfurt Eintracht Frankfurt great atmosphere so we'll see what happens with those teams as we move on through the season. But we return to the Premier League. And we, vi- we visit our friends. Big games this weekend. The first one of the day. Aston Villa-Arsenal. Massive. What's on the line here? Arsenal have to show that they have the chutzpah or chutzpah to lift themselves off the deck. They're going to go to Villa Park and they have got to win. Three points. That's it. They've got to throw it all out there because their underlying numbers don't say they're as good as they are. So cities do. You know, Arsenal have been a good story. They've been lucky. Not lucky, sorry. They've been great, but it's starting to run out of gas. And I think if they lose, it'll really start to pour off. So um, the XG difference, you know, my underlying number machine is that... Uh, City are plus 29. Arsenal are plus 19. They have scored six more goals than they'd expected and kept out one more goal than they'd expect. That's a plus seven difference. City are plus seven as well, but cities have given up way more goals uh, than they should. So their defense is a little bit leaky. This actually comes down to Ederson. has been bad. He hasn't saved any shots, but we're plus 11 on goals. But most of that comes from Holland. Most of that comes from the 6 0 against uh, Forest. So it's a little bit hollow. Uh, I wouldn't say that City are. This is not the best version of City. We know from that game, that 36%. But yeah, Villa is going to be tough for Arsenal. Other big games Liverpool versus Newcastle on Saturday. Um, this game is an interesting test for Liverpool. Um, they just got their little bit of news that they were not to blame for the UEFA problems. Okay, they weren't to blame this time, Eisel. Uh No, I'm kidding around. I, I tease the Liverpool fans because they're so persecuted and such a small little club. They need everything they can. It was sad last year's Champions League final. There was a lot of crowd problems. The UEFA and France really tried to throw Liverpool under the bus. They thought it was an easy target. But Liverpool, to be fair, their organizers are organized and have had to deal with this kind of shit for a long time, and they wouldn't stand for it. They wouldn't stand for the slander. The French just tried to blame Liverpool fans because they Europeans have been blaming Liverpool fans for things for 30 years. So they tried to put a pin on them, and UEFA and the French authorities actually... It up. I think this was more about, you know, France not planning well enough because they took it on. Uh, it was moved from St. Petersburg the final. And so it just didn't work out the way they was supposed to. And there was a train strike. What, whatever. Liverpool are vindicated. But what they really want, if Liverpool are going to get their season on track, they are 10 points behind Newcastle for fourth. Can they make up ten points? Maybe it's positive. Things have been done before. It's not that amazing of a group in front of them. Uh, Tottenham are slipping. You not, Newcastle are you know they still only have one loss, but they can't score goals anymore. Uh, and Liverpool looked like they had something in the Merseyside derby. Uh, you know, Bassettich in the midfield, and you know, and Salah scoring a goal in a break. And Darwin Nunez running and passing that looked more Liverpooly, and then you see Jota and Firmino coming off the bench, and you start to you start to you know you cover your eyes and you're like that looked a little bit like Liverpool. Uh, I think this game against um, against Newcastle away will be a big test for them. They may see a mirror image of themselves uh, in a team that create by pressing without a Mo Salah to finish it off. So we'll see what happens here I mean Newcastle are very very good and they're a very good defensive team their problem is they can't score uh and they've been getting draws and draws and draws and draws and draws uh they had a 1-1 with Bournemouth I mean away sure but still at home against Liverpool this is a test for Eddie Howe I like this game I think it's a fun game I think it's an interesting game uh I'm gonna look forward to it so we'll see where we are there and um and that's a really fun one I do want to bring up one thing that's super interesting about that might twist the atmosphere of this Newcastle game um, and give a little bit of my little history stories. So this would be the 90th birthday of Sir Bobby Robson. Who's Bobby Robson? Bobby Robson was an English coach, well-loved. Uh, if if there was an opposite of Brian Clough, it would be Robson. Uh, Bobby Robson was like a kind-hearted, sweet man who we always had time for the press and was quoted and he really lifted in the mid 2000s he lifted Newcastle into the Champions League places after they had been sort of sputtering under um under Ruud Hollett and sort of at getting the end of Shearer. Shira was at the end under the last few years with Bobby Robson but Shearer just sort of got lifted up by Robson and Robson was just well loved by the club he was from Durham which is in the north. Uh, he famously coached England in in Italia '90, so he kind of had that first moment of, "Hey, is England back?" So England is back, and um, the Jordies love him. Uh, he died sadly of cancer, and you know, there's. He's just one of these guys that when you learn about football, he's a name that comes up because football is about moments, and it's about people and it's about characters. And um Robson is one of those characters who held the team up. His big seasons were 2001, 2002, 2003 and 4. Then he kind of t- kind of leaves the team somewhere in 2005 and then they kind of sputter and within 3 seasons they get relegated. <laughs> Which is just bonkers. Uh, the <laughs> that they would end up getting relegated. But, you know, he had he had Newcastle really buzzing. Uh, they had about five years there in the middle where there wasn't much going on. They had early in the Premier League, they were there. And then the Robinson period is another period for them. And now this could be their next period where they're kind of back in it. You know, there are clubs that are loved by all fans. And I think um, Newcastle are that club. And Bobby Robson's half of the reason for that. So that'll be the cauldron that Liverpool go into um, when they face Newcastle. Um, I think it's time to talk about this uh, well I don't know there's a couple more games that I should cover. I want to cover the cover the rest of the matches and then we'll then we'll talk then we'll talk United um, and their new camp game. So uh, rest of the fixtures for this weekend. Let us kick it off. Early game, like I said, Arsenal versus Arsenal versus Aston Villa. Then all the Saturday fixtures, a bunch, the whole league. This is a great league past day. Brighton versus Fulham, Forest versus City at the City Ground. Ooh, yeah, yeah, yo. Chelsea versus Southampton. If Chelsea can't score against fucking Southampton, I will punch him in the face. The massive six-pointer: Everton versus Leeds. Come on, Leeds. Uh, No, this will be tough. This will be a game that Everton, I've looked on the schedule and said, we need three from here. Leeds still without a coach. Uh, Sorry, Jesse Marsh not taking the Southampton job. Not taking the Southampton job. Then Wolves versus Bournemouth at Molyneux. Brentford, Crystal Palace in a London Derby against two teams that we both love. The the aforementioned Newcastle game on Saturday. And then Sunday, Manchester United face Leicester City at Old Trafford. and. Spurs take on West Ham at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Um, I'm going to go to United. So they had their Europa League game today. Uh, I, I was enamored with the way the game was covered. They were playing Barcelona at the New Camp. A great game, end-to-end, fun stuff. Uh, but it was two heavyweights, two aristocratic teams going head-to-head as football should be. Uh, I notice I all those things um, because there's no mention of Barcelona going bankrupt, Barcelona paying off uh, referees, no mention of protests for, for United, no mention of Sancho being a $100 million bust, no mention of any of those things. And the reason why I bring that up, even though it was a great game and we'll get to it, is there is a... Double standard between the way teams that have lots of fans on drive clicks are covered and the way teams that are the bad guys are covered. My team is a bad guy, and when you are not the team that's cool, you notice it. And so the way this team is covered really gives you that feeling of just like, you know what, fuck you guys. So that's all I'm saying. Um, Barca took the lead in this game. In the, the second half as well, the, all the goals. First half was also incredible. Lots of slick, crisp passing. Lots of fun up and down football. Lots of incidents. Alonso on 50. Then Rashford on 52. Really, the Rashford goal is just like, he rifles it near corner. Really fantastic. Then Kunde, there's a cross that goes in off of him. So United are up 2-1. But then Rafinha on a cross comes shot. That's an amazing cross by Rafinha that almost flicks off of, um, almost flicks off of, Lewandowski, but does not go in. This was a great game. It was up and down. Both teams with eight shots. Barca with eight on target. Great saves on both ends, um, especially De Gea on a few. Rafinha was just firing from everywhere, but firing laser beams. Uh, what a fun player! I had forgotten about him. I had forgotten he got to Barca in the, you know, whatever. Veghors uh, had a chance on goal when he was on his own. That Terstegen saved. It was just, it did have a different energy, and I understand that, and that's great, but it's unfair for people <laughs> like me, whose teams are not these teams, that just get shit on, and they these teams get a pass. You know, it's kind of bullshit. Anyway, this was an amazing game, uh, very classic game, very up and down, and I think United will feel a little bit hard done. There was a foul that I can't find the footage for. I tried to look through the game. Uh, controversially, on... Rashford, where they were called nothing, uh, it could have been a penalty, but they said it was outside of the box, so they called nothing, no review because it's not in the box, so no VAR on regular fouls, they just played on, so there was a lot of beef with the referee on that play, um, but you know, all in all, just a Thursday night classic, uh, For that's what Europe is for, and that's why when people shit on the Europa League, they shouldn't, because It's a major tournament. It is the legacy of both the uh, Fairs Cup and the Cup Winners Cup. It is a venerated trophy. It's winning in Europe. It's not nothing. It's a big deal. So um, when you're in it, you should try and win it. I can't stand this idea that this trophy is less than another. The Europa League fucking counts, man. If City were, had a bad season and they were in the Europa League and they somehow won it, I would be over the moon because I know that it's real. I know that it's hard. I think the thing that's diminished it is the idea that you drop into it from finishing third in your group from the Champions League. And that part makes it a little sucky because it's just like a little bit of the dregs of it, kind of, sort of like the NIT feeling to it where you don't make the NCAA tournament so you get to be in this one. But once you get over that part, it's a really good tournament. The games can be really, really good. And you get much more variety in the clubs. You get to learn more about different teams. It's unusual to see Barca play Real Madrid, play, play Man City in this. But if I showed you the other matchups, you'd be like, oh, that's a weird game. PSV Sevilla, Nantes versus Juventus. Uh, that was 1-1. Um, Ajax versus Union Berlin. What a classic, even though it was 0-0. RB Salzburg versus Jose Jose Mourinho's Roma, uh Shakhtar versus Rennes, you know, Sporting versus Michelin, Leverkusen in Monaco. These are, you know, I mean that Monaco game had 5 goals, so it's a very up and down kind of you get fun games and some for some lower league teams like Michelin, this 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 tournament means everything to them. Um and I think that's kind of what the Conference Europa League is too. We take it for granted as big clubs in big leagues, but I think for other teams and other clubs, and your not big five leagues, your leagues six to ten, this means everything. This is a huge deal for someone like Stad Ren, a team with lots of history. This would be an achievement to win. Or Union Berlin, coming from the second division, very communist, you know, per, not communist, um, fan owned team with a lot of ownership. They would love to win this tournament. Oh, it would be incredible. So the Barcelona-Men um, United game, we pick it back up in, let's see, when it, When do they replay it? Two weeks. No, not two weeks. Yeah, next week. Next Thursday. We pick it up next Thursday. Is that right? Anyway, I can't fucking think. Uh, at Old Trafford, it should be a banger. So United in for European nights. We'll see how Old Trafford behaves. Uh, Massive game for them. They've got to be enjoying it and really loving it uh, and really feeling good about where their team is and what's happening for them as it's going. Um, Just looking through my notes, trying to make sure I haven't missed anything here. We talked about the, the, the previews of all the games. We talked about where things are. We talked about how things are going. Uh, Who needs games? Remember the big games here. Everton leads is a massive game. Betting that relegation fight. And then Tottenham trying to pull themselves back together against West Ham. I did want to cover the United-Leicester game. That is not a game for United to sleep on. Leicester are back, baby. Leicester are back. (laughs) They've scored four goals in their last two games. And we'll see how they go head-to-head. I would not think. I mean, that Thursday, Sunday, that shit's real. So United really need to find their legs if they want to stay in this challenge. Listen, are United a title contender? No. They would say that they aren't. But crazy shit has happened, and you've got to be there. So for United, you've got to stay on the shoulder of City and Arsenal to really be right next to them in case one of them you know, maybe Arsenal really slip, fall down places. Maybe they, you know, lose four of their next 10, which could happen very easily. I mean, I doubt it. I mean, things things have happened. And you have a chance to really be on the shoulder with Manchester City. And then you have a real old school 2011 Aguero race where you can push. You know, leagues are not one in the head-to-heads. Leagues are one beating Leicester. Beating Brentford, beating Bournemouth, beating Leeds, beating Fulham. You'd only There's only so many points in your big matchups. It's when you got to beat the shitty team. So United can kind of back into it if they just put the their the foot on the metal, uh, their foot on the gas to try and beat anyone that they should beat based on name alone. So interesting week coming up. All right. I'm tired. And I'm done. okay that was the squeaky bum time podcast with Laurent Cortines we are the football wing of the chop sports channel and we are presented exclusively by the premier streaming network we record on Mondays and Thursdays so be sure to subscribe wherever you get podcasts so you never miss an episode I love you guys thanks for sticking with me